Join us as we cover many an insane movie and numerous cult TV phenomenons. Are you ready to get jacked up? Are you with us? Then listen on. just setting up the recording because we got to try and get room tone and yet the room tone is more trouble than it's worth and yet here we are folks ladies and gents (laughs) i don't know we humor each other dina and i are here to lead another brigade that's right guys we're getting political talking about political fiction yeah how are you dina Jack's done. I'm doing good. How about you? Dina the dinosaur from your imagination. I, Cam, am doing (laughs) great. And we will be discussing Designated Survivor and Madam Secretary, also known as Madam President, and the shows they were inspired by and have pretty much inspired. So, and it still is entertaining. I've had people who've gotten into these shows because they're on Netflix and you can binge them. So let's go with the first one. Technically the more popular one. Yeah, the other one was kind of first. But yeah, let's go with Designated Survivor, where we talk about President Tom Kirkman, who was formerly in the Office of Secretary of Housing and Urban Development. <laughs> and tries Somehow. to run Somehow. After the Capitol. Right. Yeah. Uh, before you can say Air Force One or Olympus has fallen, the whole fucking place has just come down. <laughs> they got to rebuild it before there's all this other tyranny and world war three starts and before you can say damn it jack bauer on 24 Kiefer Sutherland is the one casted here it was created by david guggenheim who had written movies like the nick cage suck fest uh, stolen as well as the 2012 denzel washington movie safe house he is going to be next writing movies like the uncharted video game adaptation which is tom uh, holland i believe so yes it also stars the Truman Show's Natasha McElhone as the First Lady, Alex. It stars Adam Kento from the following and X-Men movies as Aaron Shore, who is the first chief of staff before becoming the vice president-elect. Waking Life's Ataya Rishi as the spokesperson who later becomes chief of staff. LaMonica Garrett from The Last Ship as Secret Service agent Mike Ritter in the first two seasons and the main, you know, protective detail. And Tanner Buchanan as Leo, uh, the president's oldest son who's got to try and apply for Stanford University. How I Met Your Mothers and Harold and Kumar's Cal Penn as Seth Wright, the communications director who in real life, had actually worked 
uh, at the White House. Uh, absolutely. Yeah, writing speeches for Barack Obama, the actual president, and Nikita and Die Hard Four's Maggie Q as Hannah Wells, uh, FBI special agent who's framed for an assassination and later becomes a CIA case officer. So. The show is produced by Mark Gordon from such blockbusters as Criminal Minds and Speed and Saving Private Ryan. So, you know, you're in good hands. You pick some good shit. There's a reason Grey's Anatomy has been on for 15 plus years, right? right? <laughs> Only you. Only you. Watch it. <laughs> uh, also stars Jake Epstein from Degrassi The Next Generation as... <clears throat> FBI analyst, uh, uh, I almost said it the wrong way, uh, Royal Pains, Paolo Costanzo as the White House political director, who's socially inept, and JAG and NCIS New Orleans, Zoe McLellan as the White House counsel, a no-nonsense attorney who formerly worked in Homeland Security Subcommittee, and the British Lord, Ben Lawson as... Damien Rennett, uh, MI6 agent who may or may not be a traitor. <laughs> Which people should know what this Atlantis Survivor is. Like, so basically. It's a real thing, guys. It, <laughs> yeah. I, if Based knows on what a real thing. Is, <laughs> if nobody knows what a Desiccant Survivor is, basically they pick somebody. And it's basically like a jackpot of names. They pick out one name out of this huge, like, uh, bucket of names and who basically stays behind while everybody else goes to just like i say when someone (laughs) is a b-movie actor who has to star in all the bad movies somebody's gotta do it (laughs) someone has to do it somebody's gotta do it (laughs) so basically uh him being the the u.s secretary of housing and urban development he got that job basically as a crapshoot you know and he gets to stay behind, and next thing you know, <laughs> there's a big kablooey, and he's basically the next in line <laughs> to be emergency uh, uh, president, and that's the whole point of the designated survivors, so that way if something does happen, everything collapses, they have somebody they can use to continue with our government infrastructure so that it doesn't fall apart. Totally, and the fact that I think this is the way you got to do it. It's like, if people don't want to learn about, because they hate how the world is run and everything, they should still at least see it in entertainment before they just Absolutely. ride it Absolutely, and then this actually shows what could happen. I mean, if shit does go down and we're stuck with some designated survivor and it happens to be the Secretary of Housing and Urban Development who has zero, no, no, let, let me rephrase that. Zero qualifications. Negative 15, <laughs> yeah. negative 15 qualifications, not zero. This is like below zero qualification yeah. to do this job um it's in the middle of the night he gets sworn in all of a sudden he's now acting president and this is without any kind of uh re-election or anything like that uh, i believe he is up for re-election after he becomes uh, uh that but it's kind of like that idea of what would really happen if this went down so i did i did appreciate that they that they went there and it shows you this person who's basically fumbling and stumbling and figuring out the best that he can because he has no choice but to do it. He's oh, totally. And so this is, she's pretty much hinted at the overall style of this, why this works so well. You instantly get the whole just, well, 
yeah, now we're living large, you know, <laughs> we're basically, you know, privileged, we're rich, and we need this because he was technically about to be out of a job anyway. That's the, the other irony. He was going to technically have to step down and be fired because, you know, the powers that be. And so here you go, how he's got, like you say, he, he's got so much to weigh in. He's like, I've always wanted to have a good political career, but I didn't think I, you know, I'd, it happened under this circumstances. No one wants millions to be killed. I, Not I, everyone's looking at you for answers. You're like, uh, maybe it has something to do with housing <laughs> or yeah. urban development. I can help you there. And also, he wasn't he used to being in the limelight. Someone who's just a United States Secretary of something that simple, they don't really get the limelight. So now it's not just him, it's his family too. Totally. Um, Paul Redford is an executive producer on this and contributed a bunch of ideas and uh, writing to this. He had previously, you know, been one of the head writers in West Wing and later worked on Madam Secretary at around the same time. So um, a lot of the castmates have been on Kiefer's previous show, 24. And so I'll bring you to the ultimate question. Is this the better show or is 24 more entertaining? Because it's kind of a dark place. I'm going to watch 24 all the time. And at the same time, I feel like this is more mature. Like this is way more mysterious and well, calculated. Well, 24 is kind of like, like blind spot in the fact that <laughs> every day there's something something going on. I'm not saying designated survivor isn't like that, but designated survivor designated survivor has that slow build. There's a lot of conversation going on. There's a lot of politics at play. There's a lot of conversation happening. Yeah, While it's got action Jack and drama. Bauer 24. Yeah. It's like bam, 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 bam. The end. You know, and it's a lot of action. Now this show for- isn't a lot of action. But it's in that kind of West Wing kind of action. It's a Madame Secretary kind of action. Yeah, totally. Uh, kind of born identity kind of action somewhat. Yeah, especially with Hannah Wells. Like, she's the main gal doing the action where she ha- she must find the perpetrators and get her FBI guys to sign off before she goes rogue. But they do a good job of even showing her go rogue to make up for the implausibility because they also, uh, like you say, I mean, a president wouldn't be thinking about whether or not he would be getting assassinated. He's got to be thinking about how do I rebuild and how do I, you know, put up with all these other policies. I need answers to also appease the people. Appease and the people. And I can't do that without sending somebody to go rogue, Maggie Q, to get that information. And he knows totally. he can trust her to not be with everybody else who basically doesn't want anything to do with what's happening. They, Absolutely. You know, they want you to fail. And how's the best way? Like, well, where's our answers? Well, let me get some answers, but I know you're not going to sanction it, so I'm going to fucking do it on the <laughs> DL. You know, so there was a lot of learning for him. In the beginning, he was a lot of stumbling. The second season, he kind of got a little bit better. And then by the third season, he got so confident. It was, like, not the same president. It was really good evolution. From the first one, absolutely. Because he's good at giving happen, a speech. Right? You're unsure. You're right. unsure as fuck. <laughs> he's good at giving a speech, but he's not uh, good at holding back his patience, especially when he takes the bait where they bring up, oh, you know, you just got here because of this or, uh, you know, and I, without giving it away, when the tragedy that happens to him happens, right. then he gets right. even more pissed. And I was so right. pissed too, because I and knew- he was like so over it. I don't well, blame him. And the media sucked on this when campaigning for this show because this was a hit for ABC and yet they just weren't satisfied with the ratings. They wanted to get rid of it but because it was expensive or some shit. But then the 
the person who was on the show was given away as to what show they were going to. And it was like, ah, fuck. I already know that they're going to die. Because it's just, it's just, that's what happens when you go to another show. They, they have to just write in something like tragic like that. But it was really cool too that it happened because then it just, the stakes raised. Then it became an instant manhunt. And then it became, now we got to do another manhunt while you have, you know, again, Bill's trying to get past. And just this whole cast just clicked with each other. They really, you know, they did have quite a lot of humor. And it's just like, it's, just, it's not enough to make it a comedy, but it's enough to make it a very intriguing drama. And it's like, yeah, this is, this is pretty badass. <laughs> no, absolutely. And I, I actually really like, we were talking about like the evolution and mm-hmm. when things are happening the way they're, they're, they're happening, it makes sense that he's acting the way he is. And that's <laughs> right. what made it feel that realistic portion of it. Because when I watch Madam Secretary, it's good. Don't get me wrong. I absolutely oh, yeah. appreciate it, that show. But at the same time, it's kind of more of a comedy. There are some, there are some pieces that were a little far fetched to me. A, a right. To making her more important than she really was. Does that make sense? There was that, and my mother often complained about how is like, why are all the kids up? They wouldn't be up. They'd be sleeping or taking a sweet time eating their breakfast. <laughs> so. I mean, they were like waking up at what five, six o'clock in the morning. Maybe and then they, they were like going to bed like at one o'clock in the morning. I'm like, seriously? <laughs> maybe they had time to, I don't know. Uh, maybe they got to come late to school because I'm the, <laughs> I'm a senator turned president's <laughs> daughter or son. And I, also I, did, I, I also didn't like the the children aspect of it for both. So for the first one, for, for Designated Survivor. That's a good the point. Kid actors, the kid acting are good on both. But I feel like because they lived a very humble life, the kids were so kind of humble themselves. They well, were instantly secretary, spoiled, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, but when I'm secretary, they were already spoiled from like the beginning and they acted like spoiled so rats. I, I totally concur. You know? The acting is very competent by all. They've all been very good American and Canadian actors who've been in a lot of movies and shows in either key roles and acclaimed short films. And it's just that, yeah, the... Designated did a really good job of just not doing what most shows, just having just waiting for the boredom to elapse or waiting for something to get too silent. It's just like they knew the minute something got just too self-indulgent, this, this was going to be it. Or they were going to lose their audience. So they did a really good job. It's like uh, mixing, you know, are the kids going to be in jeopardy or not, or just keep an eye on them and focus mainly on, the president, him gaining the trust and doing all the other just, you know, foreign affairs and compromises that you just can't possibly make to please everybody. And yeah, and Madam kind of just, because it was kind of more of a comedy drama, it kind of worked for a while because again, just, you know, Henry, her uh, uh, husband was just witty and kind of caring for him. And but yeah, it it it, it wasn't something. So I can't. I, totally. I, <laughs> I enjoyed him when I saw that he was playing a, an ex pilot. I'm like, ah, that's funny. Uh, right. Totally. <laughs> so that was kind of cool. From yeah, wing type of thing. Uh, a lot of people didn't recognize him, but you know, being the you know, because her being Madame Secretary, he'd be like first, 
not first husband, but like, what do they call him? I forgot. Uh, first gentleman uh, or some shit like that. First gentleman. Yeah. That's yeah. what it was. It was first gentleman because that's that's what is that's what he that's is. That's how but, fancy it was. But yeah. Um, right. But, but it was kind of like they put a lot of attention to him and to her. And honestly, as we've been seeing the news today, do we really even know who the hell freaking the Secretary of State is? I know. I don't. I don't, yeah. I don't know who that is. So I kind of feel like was, they're giving too much glory to, to some to a position that no one really pays attention to. It did get a little I'm not too. Saying it's not important. Yeah, I'm not I know. It's not important. I, I know what you meant. And like, and sometimes they would act like everyone's going to strike out towards her, and it's like, yeah, no, they're not focused on that. They're like focused. she saved the she saved the world a thousand times because of what she was doing, and those speeches were that important. And I'm like, are they though? Are they? I'm not saying her job, the job is not important, but I just didn't believe it as re- reality as I did with Designated Survivor. I feel like with that show, and that says a lot when it, Designated those expectations are like, <laughs> oh shit, that that's what I can believe that actually happened. I can see this actually going down. I can actually understand where he's coming from. With her, it was more like, oh well, I used to be a super secret spy who now has a job as Madame Secretary because I'm be- I'm besties with yeah. the president now. I mean, come on. <laughs> It's a lot to take in. It kind of helped it's that a lot to take in. she was CIA and you can kind of, yeah. it was inspired by Madeline uh, is Albright is her name. Uh, the one congresswoman. Um, and uh, it was interesting too how again, yeah, just you could tell uh, again uh, the kids went different directions so they were productive and everything but at the same time it's like they did start out pretty whiny at first where it's like, okay, thank God they changed it up in the name of comedy because otherwise it would have just been tor- sheer torture hearing them, you know, complain. Oh, absolutely. Uh, but yeah, uh, getting back to a little bit to Designated, I guess you can definitely say that uh, they kind of just keep it simplified and and they kind of do a good job like they do kind of on law and order where it's like okay here's a legal battle let's address it here's all the different sides you need to know of it and each character represents that idea like i disagree with it but i'm representing you mr president so therefore you know my opinion is relevant I'll do the best <laughs> keep my integrity and then there's all this other stuff where it's like mr president respectfully you suck you know <laughs> stuff like that is <laughs> i know just... you're like can you even say that like uh, yeah, I'm sure they say it. The you know, media's not looking at them, but yeah, there's like there's plenty of stuff like that where it's just like, yeah, okay. So this show's not holding back from being pretty blunt. So I definitely don't think it's playing safe. You know? <laughs> oh, absolutely. You don't feel like you're being lied to, like you might see. You know, whether we like a politician or not, they're gonna say something, you know, to the camera. So it's like, okay, it's cool just seeing the you know, brace for impacts, you know, it's like, ooh, is this going to go down well? Is this not? And just seeing everyone, of course, just like on West Wing, just react to it over, uh, you know, uh, just seeing the live TV broadcasts. And of course, you know, we're human. We're going to forget to say one quick thing. And then there's a quick rescue. Oh, 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 oh that wasn't in the speech, but that worked even better. <laughs> Pointed that in, in the right direction. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we meant to do that. Yeah. I'll take credit for it. I'll, I'll, I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, a lot of keepers... <laughs> 24 co-stars are on here um one of the co-conspirators is peter outerbridge you know playing the guy charles he's been on a bunch of stuff from also with nikita with maggie q and he's on all the superhero shows and other stuff like the expense malik yova from new york undercover 
and Revolution is here as the former deputy FBI director, Kevin McNally, who you might know as uh, Elizabeth's uh, father in Pirates of the Caribbean movies, and the show Turn is here, Virginia Madsen from Candyman, and Sideways is here as the Speaker of the House, who totally disagrees with the President on everything in the first few seasons. And uh, we got a bunch of other people here. Bubba from Forrest Gump. That's right. McKelty Williamson, who was previously on 24 in Touch, plays one of the admirals on the Joint Chiefs of Staff. Reed Diamond from Homicide is the former FBI director. Um, and Rob Morrow, who I hear is an asshole in real life from Numbers and <laughs> Northern Exposure, is here as a journalist. And Jeff Pearson, who was one of the uh, brief presidents on 24, plays a former president here. You might guys might know him as one of the uh, cops on Dexter. And Jamie Clayton, who's a real transgendered actress, plays uh, <clears throat> uh, the president's sister-in-law. You might know her from Since Eight. Yeah, she was amazing. She really, she was really so wonderful. Amazing. Uh, Anthony Edwards later plays the final chief of staff from ER and it made sense to me because at that point the head showrunner it changed they did a really damn good job changing showrunners I didn't know who wrote what it just was all they were all thinking the speaking it, the it same was language very fluid it right. was so fluid and that's the thing I didn't I don't know about you but like with Madame Secretary you can tell that there are different writers for different like episodes I couldn't tell but I could definitely tell what storylines were just loose, what they weren't good at is like, okay, doesn't work that way in the real world, but whatever. And speeches, yeah, you guys are really good at speeches. So that's what why I keep coming back for more. But yeah, uh, it made sense that Anthony oh, yeah, Edwards. I mean, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be I'm not gonna lie on that. Hell yeah. Those speeches were like <laughs> whoa, especially doesn't get a survivor speeches. I feel like they were really motivating. Like ridiculously motivating, you know? Okay. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, the final showrunner had worked on ER and he said in an interview is like, we got to keep the show trickling. Someone's got to lose something. <laughs> uh, otherwise, it's just rendered, you know, false. They have Anawan Ellis, who many might know from The Help, Men of Honor, Ben Carson Story, uh, Steve Harris's uh, ex on The Practice. Yeah. And when they see us, and currently Lovecraft Country, but she is badass here as the vice president turned uh, opponent of the president. <laughs> Undesignated, we have Kiefer's but buddy and former movie co-star Michael J. Fox playing opposing attorney Ethan West. We have Kim Raver, also known as Jack Bauer's former, you know, <laughs> love interest. Uh, Kim Raver here as. Uh, aerospace engineer who's wants to date the president but has to probably is presumed to dump that romantic relationship when it turns out her interests might compromise what he stands for we have Brecken Meyer that's right the comedic actor as Trey the president's estranged younger brother <laughs> that's right he plays the finance guy right absolutely then we have Kieran Giovanni that's right gorgeous Italian black uh, actress uh, from who many might know as Detective Sykes on the closer continuation Major Crimes. She 
plays the Senate Majority Leader, who in two key episodes plays, you know, uh, shows how she's from Massachusetts and might be their only hope of breaking a bunch of ties <laughs> in the Senate. And last and final, I swear, of all these characters, we got Terry Serpico, stuntman turned actor who many might know from other shows like Army Wives. I definitely recognize him from one of the henchmen in uh, Born Ultimatum. I think he gets run over. <laughs> you will also recognize him. remember somebody. <laughs> yeah, totally. You'll recognize, he's been on all the Law and Orders multiple times, most recently in a recurring one as one of the uh, chiefs who wants uh you know everyone to turn in their badges he's been he had a recurring uh gangster role on person of interest he was in the purge election year as the opposing one of the opponents i think and then he was also in other blockbusters like the interpreter and departed and find me guilty so he's been around quite a while but yeah Very cool. but uh it's just so funny the entire time my my mother is like Anthony Michael Hall is evil. I'm like, that's not Anthony Michael Hall, but I understand he does look like him, but I promise you. I'm, and she just didn't believe me until I showed her the IMDb page. I'm like, okay, yes, he looks similar, but he's clearly way much younger than Anthony. Hey now, hey now. I'm not <laughs> hating him. I love the dead zone and 16 Gales, but no, that's not, that's not him. He's really cool because he is part of the shady company Browning Reed, one of the former chiefs of that company, and forms the terrorist group, the True Believers, the real culprits behind the Capitol attack. Once you're figured out who the main two culprits, who designed the blueprints, who carried out the attack that killed a thousand plus people, maybe more like 1,200, I forget the number. And then he, by season two, becomes the main villain because... Serpico's character, Patrick Lloyd, just, you know, he is a madman. He locks himself in a, up in a bunker and is threatens to unleash, you know, a bio, you know, weapon, some sarin gas that'll kill thousands. <laughs> and why not? Yeah, because before you get to season three, where you don't really know who the real people are until midway through, and it's mm -hmm. like a disease that will affect minorities, which is even more frightening, especially seeing just, you know, how much white supremacist stuff we're seeing nowadays. And, you know, the show is so ahead of its time in terms of just showcasing the terrorism and making it entertaining in terms of just, you know, how will we get the bad guys? And, uh, you know, even when they figure out the main thing to do, you know, nothing is ever over. And Kiefer has the final great line in the final scene of the movie as President Kirkman by saying is like, I, I've now become everything I hate, a politician. Because <laughs> yeah. here he is. That was like, that was a hard hitting comment because that's not, it's not that he never wanted to do it. You know, like I said, he got into it, then he became president and he was yeah. trying to figure it out. And all of a sudden he's like, ah, oh, fuck me. And I really did you know? buy, well, that totally. And I mean, and like you say, you know, Madam Secretary, also a cool show, but a lot more to buy into, especially when she runs as an independent. They never, or, and her predecessor before does that too, just so that, you yeah. know, they don't have a conversation about who are you really. And, and they stay you, away from like the hard hitting politics, like, yeah, kind of so like staying neutral. While in Designated Survivor, I kind of felt like, no, you have to pick a side. 
yeah he and that was what was really cool is like he's clearly got a progressive background and he wants to appease the conservatives and madam president kind of like you say they didn't get it as complicated so it was a lot to buy into and this one you kind of bought into more just because it's like this is all they have left they'll take whatever they the people will take whatever they love at this point you know right and they do a good job and this is where the other show suffers they don't show them connecting with the people here they you know i think it helped that Kiefer had been untouched and he had you know his show kind of dealt with people reacting to stuff from around Thank the world. Thank you. I actually was saying how much uh, he reminded me of the character and touched the way he spoke. The way, the way he, yeah. he delivered his lines was very much like in that show. Oh, totally. And I felt like he was the same guy. I almost he, expected to see his kid there because it just felt like the right. same Right. He needs style. a supernatural kid to help him find out the hey, riddles. Hey, bro, with everything that was going on, he needed that help, okay? He, he needed, needed every that help. person's help. You, you can I kept him. waiting for ABC to get bought by Fox uh, a few years earlier, so that way then we would have an actual... 24 designated survivor crossover. <laughs> it would. About. You know, it would happen. <laughs> and like, they'd have Jack, to make you doing here? <laughs> Mr. President, if you don't like my methods, get someone else. I'm done. No, I need you. No. <laughs> that and would be so weird. You just see Abram show up from Touch. <laughs> there you go. And just, what's the kid doing here? Get him. Save him now. We need him. No. <laughs> I mean, it was just, I mean, it, it, he does deliver lines like that, though. I mean, he's not Jack Bauer. He's, no. he's, his, he's, a, he's his own character, but it, he did definitely take a lot from Touch, and he brought it into that. I that actually a- tried to recommend it to my uncle, who was a fan of West Wing. He's like, does Kiefer oh, do no. his usual mumbling? Like, you know, because that's the thing, is like, everyone on 24 talks like the people on X-Files, where he's like, and then everything it's- gets loud all of a sudden when there's an explosion or someone being attacked. <laughs> Yeah, the volume at like a hundred, and then like explosions happen. You're like, ah! <laughs> and unfortunately, I have pretty sympathetic people in the room, and they admit it. It's like we we have subtitles, and we're still barely making out what Michael J. Fox is saying. It's like, oh. hey, does it get a survivor? Everything I show has to have subtitles because I could have my my. They're talking video, really fast. Yeah, <laughs> they're talking really fast, and you're trying to catch everything, and then all of a sudden there's explosions. But it's like, the best kind, though. Okay, it is the best yeah, kind. Yeah, it is. Never it's in not the out best. Of nowhere though. It never yeah. feels out of place. It always ne- feels like that makes sense. Yeah. Never. Le- it's not like in Batman and Superman where you're like, "Why does this have to do with politics?" And because I don't know yeah. what's going on, I'm losing interest fast. No. <laughs> and everything that's happening in every episode, it does carry on through through the seasons. Absolutely. Uh, the seasons. And right. good so seasons. you basically can follow along. I really feel like you can really follow with everything that's coming up and everything that happens, I do feel like this is more of a, you do need to pay attention. You do need to keep watching everything. Because right I feel like it. if you miss an episode, you're not going to get it. If Can't you miss, miss something important. Now, while Madam, while Madam uh, Secretary slash President, you kind of can miss a few episodes, you can miss a but bunch. not towards the last few seasons though. Like the last three, you do have to pay attention because that's when her kids get more involved with her and what yeah. she's doing as well as her husband and what he's doing and if you don't pay attention to uh if there's some things that you can miss like in the middle but as it starts getting more involved with her family you can't miss it just because of what happens at the end for her so while designated survivor you have to watch every episode from the very beginning 
in order for you not to get lost. Absolutely. Because, like, like you say, I mean, Madam was kind of more about, um, you know, just various things going on, and I have a key role, and, uh, you know, I can, I can take credit for everyone else looking good, and this is more everybody is worried about their own image, you know, and I, they do really good at, you know, doing the stuff that's inevitable that they almost always do where there's a big, you know, uh, implausible assassination or, a you know, people workplace romance without feeling like a soap opera or, you know, Richard Dyer's or some other bullshit. It's like, it's really good. You know good what? At- <laughs> now that you said that, weren't there some parts on Madame Secretary that felt a little telenovela? Uh... Probably with Stevie, and we'll, we'll get yes. to it in a minute. We, we, we got so oh much to Oh my god, <laughs> yes, that's exactly what I was thinking. Because, okay, now this Exhibit Survivor kind of went there in a couple episodes dealing with um, his oldest kid and what happened to him, but that helped with the arc of the story. While I it, feel it did. like they, Secretary if, was more like, oh, just stop, just shut up already. They would, especially the son who drove me and my mother crazy. It's like, oh my god! You okay, you too, right? A, you too. Such a yeah. brat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I like the little girl. I did. Uh, well, yeah, because she was the only one who you're like, I can take her serious. I can tell she's fed up and wants to do something in life and make her parents happy, and at the same time make herself happy. And it's like she's the right. only one who has a voice. And I get it that they're trying to be kind of plausible. There's probably a lot of, you know, president's kids that are stuck up, but like, Designated did it better because. It wouldn't take up yeah. the whole episode. It would take up I agree. 10, 10 to 20 minutes. And then next thing, then Real you're back quick, to... I have a kid. Remind you, back. I have a kid. I'm a parent, but I'm also a president. While secretary towards the last three seasons, it was all about... Oh, uh, the kids. Her kids. And I get that they're part of your life. And the Russians. Every day you would see them. <laughs> yeah. Like, seriously, the Ru- that made no sense how Stevie got involved with that. That became so novella to me. That was completely unnecessary, but I felt like, oh my god, we need something. We need something. So let's yeah. just make up something. He was a handsome dude. We're gonna throw dude, the Russians in there. I'm like, seriously. He was a handsome dude, but there were other times where he's like, man, he's also such a glutton for punishment. <laughs> Doesn't he know the Russians can't? He was a him? good actor. He was a fantastic yeah. No, actor. everybody's good on both these shows, but yeah, it's just like, and even but, Rob Morrow, who fact I was that it was just got too involved. It was too too involved it was too much and it became really like soapy and i was like oh my god this is almost gonna end so i have to stick through it well this is gonna survivor i'm like give me more i want more i want another yeah season. both these both yeah. these shows had networks that didn't appreciate them because this is like it should have been doesn't it should have been on netflix from the very get-go i agree and i like and so many i had to kick up i i run a political uh fiction group and, you know, I always play referee when it gets out of hand. And there was a bunch of neo-Nazis saying, oh, Desnay becomes too PC in the last, you know, season. I'm like, fuck you. <laughs> Dealt with LGBT. I don't like no, it. No, if it you has want PC, language. that's Madam Secretary. Right. Definitely not. not definitely not designated, especially when there's using. No, it was just facts. It was just language. shit you have to deal with. These are just shit that you have to work with. It was with raw. You have to. And. Yeah. And. They did a good job too of just showing like people get exploited, getting into violent arguments about you know, uh, especially with uh, his chief of staff uh, Aaron. You know, Shore doing the whole is like, I want to run as a president, but you only see me as an opportunity or as a Latino president. You motherfuckers, you know, it's like I'm not cool with that. And uh, it was really cool how um, 
uh, what's her name? It was just so good. Uh, uh, you had the chief of staffs, you know, having his distractions, you know, he's so strict. And yet the only thing he doesn't have control over is uh, uh, his own troubled wife, played by Lauren Holly from NCIS and Dumb and Dumber. And how she was, you know, addicted to opium. <laughs> she was actually quite wonderful. She really was. It was like, you, it is like, I, I, it's just so ironic, you know, he, he's got everything locked down. It's like, uh-uh, not how the president, you know, you're going to answer to him and all that. You're going to do this, you're going to do that, or I'm going to fucking fire you. And then the only thing he can't control is, you know, the war at home, which is making sure his wife's getting the right And then it becomes even more chaotic later yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and you're like, bro, you, you know, like you were so close to get everything. But of course, you know, and but reality though, dude, does anyone really have their shit down like that? No, something's always going to pop up. Something's going to happen when you're like, fuck, I finally think I have my shit together and then my, I have a flat tire. Or right? <laughs> I just paid off my car and it broke down. You oh, know, totally. like, you know, I, that happened to me. I bought a car the next day. I got in a wreck. Oh. And I got completely, yeah, I was completely Jesus. trashed. I was out for like two weeks. I almost lost my job because of it. And I was just so happy and excited because I just bought my house and I oh. bought my car. <laughs> I, went to, I went to Thanksgiving the next day. I left Thanksgiving and boom, right as I'm, I'm on my way to work. So oh my God. that's reality. You, you think you finally have everything down like you're supposed to, and then something just smacks you, you know? And that's right. how I felt with Designated Survivor was that it was realistic. He finally had shit down. Yeah, he had a war at home. Then all of a sudden, it's fucking disastrous. It's catastrophe. And you're dealing with opposition left and right, and you just want to have this shit down. And you just, for some reason, it will not do that. Madame Secretary. And just when you think like, you feel... Oh, totally. Because, yeah, Madam would just wrap it all up. I'm like, no. Yes. No, no, no. bow tie. And I'm like, you can't, you can't. No, nope, not how it goes. What you just did is going to come bite you in the ass. And, and Designated would acknowledge, is like, even other stuff they didn't show us, they're like, uh, they would even just kind of joke and say, well, and now, you know, the 12 year olds fight amongst each other while we watch or some shit like that. They would do stuff like, and now it's the world's problem and we just take the credit for it, you know? And it's like- Because you both know that's fucking true. And with Madame Secretary, everything was in a boat. Now there was one instance in one episode that they finally, something did bite him in the ass, that something that she did um, caused someone to basically throw an RPG at the Capitol. So- That was a great premiere because- Okay, so we're getting it into that. showed what you actually, what happens if you don't, you know, if you don't actually uh, fix things or, or you say the wrong thing or you don't, or you don't close things off a little bow on top, you know, every episode always felt like, well, that was a wrap. And it's yeah, like, no, both it shows work that way. Were, both shows were filmed very much like West Wing and had the yeah. same kind of legal arguments like Law and Order. But uh, right. when it got to all the attacks, you definitely felt like you were watching an episode of NCIS or something just with how yeah. the Navy functions, the Joint Chiefs respond. Let's get to mm -hmm. Madam here in just a bit. Let's, let's, let's wrap up this one last part. <laughs> Designated. Sure. Uh, so what do you think of Julie White as uh, Lorraine, the re-election campaign manager? How you don't know whether to trust her or not at the start. And you still don't, even as it goes on. I still don't. 
Especially yeah. with everything that happens. Right. I... Especially with, I knew she was up to no good and that she was playing hardball and it was like the only way he was going to win. So he needed her. And at the same time, he had to put her on a leash because this is like, man, this is like. Because he knew that if she, he didn't put her on a leash, what was going to happen? And for those who don't know, Julie White is a wonderful Tony Wedding actress. You've seen her multiple times and, you know, all the other sitcoms and multiple, you might, for those boomers, you might know her multiple times. I mean, I'm Grace Under Fire and all the Law and Orders, but the rest of us know her for doing voiceovers like Monsters vs. Aliens and Inside Out, you know, the DreamWorks and Pixar animated stuff. She's had recurring roles on Nurse Jackie, Six Feet Under, and the political comedy Alpha House, so she knows her shit. Um, she was dynamite. More mainstream might just know her as playing Shia's mom in those stupid Transformers movies, but like she just ate this up. Like she has the most, you know, raunchy and messed up speeches, like ripping everyone a new one. Is like, hey, you know, you should stop wearing that slut outfit, or you're you're at. I'm gonna rip you an ass from you know, from here to Kingdom Cun, if you don't let me do my thing. And it's just so wild how she's just, she can be a cutthroat one minute and then just want to, you know, eat lunch and dinner with the rest of them. It's like, what's oh, wrong? Okay. Well, you want to grab some tea after she just ripped you? Right. It was like, <laughs> what? It's <laughs> not how this works. I absolutely love her. And yeah, she was, she was great in, in Transformers too, as playing, um, uh, the mom and Charlotte, you know her. She was same, hysterical. I feel, like the same, I feel like she was the same actress, though. I feel like she just went from like Transformers to 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 this show. Right. <laughs> the same person. She was raunchy. She was no nonsense. She was very loud, um, just like in Transformers. But she was also very matter of fact, like in Transformers. She had no shame. Oh, totally. Um, and, and a lot of these no, actors, zero shame. Yeah. A lot of these actors, I was surprised they hadn't even worked with each other from the get-go because they were always in kind yeah. of similar movies. They would be in independent films, then they'd star in a movie that was obscure and premiered on HBO or Showtime. And especially with Virginia and Kiefer, I'm surprised they hadn't worked together before because it's a similar kind Agreed. of career. Just actors who star in some, you know, low-budget stuff, some B movies, and then some cult, you know, horror movies. <laughs> That's it. And then have a big giant TV comeback, and it's like. And the unknowns, you know, like, I, I'll be honest, I knew about the show uh, Chasing Life. I, it was like one of the few shows on ABC Family that everyone liked. And, but I did not know who Italia Rishi was. And I was like, is she related to Christina? Yeah. No, just no. <laughs> similar Italian name. Um, uh, and the Secret Service agent guy, again, LaMonica Garrett, he, he's just dynamite. I, I've seen him in so many other guest spots, you know, he's, especially on sitcoms and the crime shows. And, you know, last ship might be have more screen time, but here he was just like I, I've never seen a Secret Service agent portrayal like this before, where he well, he has okay, a Navy so, background and he's plot right. The, the way they do the diagram is here. Here's how we're gonna let the audience and the other characters that need to know how we're gonna do the sweep for the next capital attack, and while we're figuring out based on the blueprints of the previous attack, because. Right. terrorists do copycat just like serial killer that's stuff right. and so that's right. why mark gordon i think was the right producer for this because he knew how to hire a lot of the same criminal minds kind of people just like hey just get in there you know you got to be able to do exposition and develop the characters at the same time without you know being talking heads that just all look sexy and you know are gonna sleep together <laughs> well let's talk about that so like emily rhodes or italia ritchie right yeah she was basically his 
he had been working with him since the very beginning when he became uh, the HUD secretary, right? So when he became president, she was appointed as a special advisor, especially after with Aaron. I always felt like that position was above her. Uh, I felt like Aaron deserved that spot. And I felt like because of what was going on, he was punished when she was just as fault as much as he was. And I always felt like he favorite he was it was like her his favorite as in like the favorite child. I always felt like it was portrayed in that way. Yeah. Like she could do no wrong. Even though when she fucked up royally, she could do no wrong. Oh, totally. And they showed how vulnerable they were when, you know, they get into a love triangle and, you know, it doesn't work out and then he finds out he was used by the gal he's currently with and uh, you know, Emily has to take care for her mom in Florida and then still decide if she can just come back and be a special advisor, even though, you know, the new campaign manager has, you know, been a total bitch to her and just scared her off. And like you say, I mean, Aaron kind of just can, it's just so funny how he's so good at just patting the president on the back and just saying, hey, it's time to not be a wimp anymore. You got to, you can do this. This is, you know, this is nothing. You're just talking to all these children who you got to babysit for a minute, you know, and, and then and yet. I, like with Emily, it was more like, oh, you could do no wrong. You'll be hey, just right? fine. Cause she, 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 she sugarcoated a lot. And I think that's why it was super important when, um, the people uh, who when, give advice when, are their own worst the enemy. Were actually coming in. <laughs> yeah. Right. Because I felt like Aaron was being realistic with him. Um, he was telling him this how how it is, but when Lorraine came in, that helped out a lot, you know, because Emily was basically sugarcoating while Lorraine's like, uh uh-uh. you know, this is not this is not true. You know, you can't keep holding his hand like that. Absolutely. And someone's gonna take photos and they, they are able to avoid it because, you know, the attention's all on Seth, you know, the communication director. He's, you know, CJ of West Wing, you know, <laughs> equivalent. And having to try and not get into too many arguments like who told you that story well that's that's total load it's not at all what the president's agenda is <laughs> and, and so yeah like you say is like emily is kind of is like aaron gives uh you know the talking points and emily gives you know the extra pat on the back and encouragement <laughs> and he, he gives kirkman his soul because otherwise the president really is just kind of the you know sad gentle giant <laughs> and it's like yeah like you say is like they they got to have a personal life and of course they've grown to respect one another so of course that leads to the next you know one night stands and then it becomes you know to where it's like okay we got to take a big step back because and honestly uh, because of lorraine that's how uh emily goes away and now it's um marge that comes in and yeah. that was a really big uh pivot for season three that that was really needed because I, that 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 kept that kept the credibility alive absolutely especially after you know aaron becomes a suspect did he have something to do with the the leak that became you know the capital attacks and was like yeah no that was cool to have him did he or did he not have something to do with that and if he did was it unintentionally like he gave a document to someone who caused one of the riots or and attacks or okay, absolutely right right was like, and you needed uh, to have someone that wasn't connected to that. And he really wasn't helping himself by keeping yeah, Emily around. A, a red so, herring. Right. 
Absolutely. And so, you know, I, I appreciated that because, you know, to keep the credibility going and to keep the reality of it, the realisticness of it. Um, I mean, he went through three different chief of staff and, and advisors. He's never in that time had frame. to talk to a president like this. So at the same time, he feels like this is above his pay grade, his pay grade. title, where yeah. he's like, okay, I got to tell you how to do everything from scratch. And at the same time, you kind of, you got, I can't do this all for you. You, you better be taking some notes, Mr. President. Because yeah, because that's, that's just, that's just true. You he, know, you gotta, he you gotta do what you gotta do. He, he played off him really well. Like, you know, Kiefer's other Latino co-star on 24, uh, Carlos Bernard, who played Tony Almeida. He had that same kind of rapport, I felt. I can see that. Absolutely. And, you know, I, you know, I, I want to go back, I want to kind of go into Madam Secretary because I felt like her team, as much as I wasn't crazy about the novella portions of it, they <laughs> did work together really well. I mean, you had B.B. Newer. Oh, they um, were funny. They were fucking funny. They were but, great. I mean, you have okay, her so speechwriter. I'll tell you what, let, let, let's get into that. Okay, so introducing, for those who don't know, what the hell this show is about. It <laughs> has... CIA trained <clears throat> former CIA analyst former and CIA science professor right uh, Elizabeth McCord who becomes the Secretary of State when her mentor played by William Sadler in a rare good guy role disappears under mysterious circumstances she takes his job and works for President Dalton played by Keith Carradine and her husband played by uh, Tia Leone you know, the comedian actress, uh, real-life boyfriend, Tim Daly of Wings fame. <laughs> it's interesting how they make him a former Marine uh, from Desert Storm. and Pilot. Yeah, and pilot. Yeah, <laughs> and stars Beeb uh, Newarth from Frasier and Cheers as the chief of staff. It has Zochko Ivanek, also known as that guy, you know, <laughs> from homicide oz and 24 he always plays a snob and this time he plays a helpful snob <laughs> as the chief of staff later on he's uh, great russell jackson is just um the character is amazing yeah and, and we we've ended up just calling him russell anytime we see him on screen later on we have policy advisor cat played by sarah ramirez who is awesome <laughs> Oh, what about Patina Miller, who was uh, oh, yes. press and, coordinator? And her. She was in Hunger Games. Oh, yes. Uh, she gave good speeches there. She gives spe good speeches here as Daisy. Yeah, Absolutely. Press coordinator. She was fantastic. So, like we've said, both these shows are very appreciative in their own way. And as I was watching them, I finally got into West Wing after seeing bits of it, but never actually watching the show. I was more of a John oh, Adam. I was more of a John. You missed out, man. You well, no, I, well, so no, good. I've seen it all. I just, I didn't see it when it was on because <laughs> I was a kid. I wouldn't have had the attention span. <laughs> but I watched yeah. it as an older, like an older teenager. Um, I was an older there's teen. There's a lot of stuff that I'm like squinting at it and it's going over my head because I watched Jag too and NCIS and all that good stuff, but. As I got older, you know, I kind of went back into it, and I was like, wow, this is actually really freaking amazing. Oh, yeah. No, don't, don't get me wrong. So, do you think West Wing is the best out of all these three, or does designated yes. slightly out Okay, yeah. <laughs> perfect. Yeah, because yeah. West Wing is I'm the sorry. template. Okay, look. If it wasn't for, like, West Wing, 
would have never would have had Not, uh, neither of these would have ever gone on the air none of these shows including uh, you know Gina Davis's uh, un- unfortunately outlived uh, one season right. of her show because we talked in the past about brain dead we talked about a bunch of other short-lived shows that were so good yeah. and just no one wanted yeah. to talk politics but yeah commander-in-chief was right. kind of what made this become a so talking good. point and commander-in-chief became madame secretary i mean that's yeah. that's basically what it what it what happened you know like what it could have been and gina davis was just so spectacular and eventually you know uh gina davis um uh that show didn't last and now Taylor leone got madame uh secretary uh, but you also kind have of actors, familiar though. faces. Yeah, we have familiar faces in there that have been in big movies or like Netflix films. So, for example, I have here. Let me go ahead and decline this phone call that came in. I apologize. Okay. So we have. Uh, what is her name? Her name is. Oh no, I lost it. Yeah. Uh, the the com- the, the show was produced oh, by head writer Barbara Hall, who worked on shows like Judging yes. Amy. Chicago Hope and Jonah Marcadia and she decided to again create the show for Morgan Freeman that's right the actor and his producing co-partner uh Lori McCreary he casted you know Tia Leone who he co-starred with as the president (laughs) in Deep Impact so there's the connection and he appears constantly as one of the Supreme Court justices and didn't you find it funny though I will say I do like how they film uh, the Joint Chiefs scenes, because they got Tony Plata, oh, yeah. who mm-hmm. was Ugly Betty's, uh, you know, the title character's uh, father. He was on a bunch of other movies and shows. He's briefly on 24, but he's been in a lot of Oliver Stone movies, including Nixon and Salvador. Uh, any Michael Mann show or miniseries, you've definitely seen him. Um, he, I always light up when I see him, because I just know he's just going to give an awesome speech and just characterize just in a way that no one could do. So if you haven't seen him in that or the Star Trek Deep Space Nine two-parter episode, you'll, you might vaguely remember he was also a joint chief on West Wing. And here, it was just fucking awesome just seeing him on here because he got to do just something different, just having the headset on while he's coordinating like some special forces mission from overseas. Um, like what are the, Especially when they do the nuclear uh, reactor shutdown, that's just had me on the edge of my seat. But um, Oh, absolutely, because that that kind of created that suspense that they wanted to without it being completely all the time. Suspense. Just out there. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I, I have to say uh, the actor Clifton Davis, who's, you know, a Broadway guy and uh, uh, you, you know him as the one uh, he's playing the uh, director of national intelligence. You know, Madam President. He kind of had a Morgan Freeman kind of feel to me. And I felt like that's kind of why yeah. he got cast. <laughs> but Right. Uh, he's done a lot of religious movies and uh, guest spots, but he was the main character on Amen, so you might know him from that. So there you go, just a veteran actor, just working uh, through and through. Um, I thought well, he what was. About for- Jane, what about Jane Atkinson, who played the vice president, Teresa Hurst? Wonderful who was actress. Also in House Free of Cards, who played Secretary <laughs> of State. Yeah. I mean, she was just. And a lot of, uh, like, the Rainmaker. Uh, Rainmaker. Criminal Minds. Uh, Criminal Minds, yes. She was the main unit I mean, chief there. And, of course, House of Cards. That's where I first really got paid attention to her was, was I saw House of Cards. And she oh, you never saw Free Willy? 
of course, the first. She was one. the mom. Okay, well, she, was, she the was the mom in the first two, but yeah. Um, right, but she's in this I, never, great... I never put two and two together until <laughs> I, no, not until I saw her. Okay, so when I saw her in Madame Secretary, I was like, wait a minute, I remember her from House of Cards, so that's kind of cool. She's playing the same kind of person. But then I showed the kids Free Willy, and I was like, oh my god, how did I not remember that? So yeah, that was funny. Oh, totally, <laughs> especially when the NSA. A guy for President Dalton was Cotter Smith, who's been, uh, it was also on a homicide with Zelchko Ivanek, and uh, you might just, know as playing the president in X-Men 2, so there you go. But, that's right. That's but right. yeah, no, that, that was a good catch uh, with uh, uh, Jane Atkinson, just damn good actress. Just, she was the, uh, yeah, just, uh, it was so funny, is like, I saw her in that amazing documentary, that gal who was in that thing, and she's taught all of them had the same story, including hers. Like, it's just so hard to be, find a role in Hollywood where you don't have to take clothes off or where you can play someone other than a mom or a bitch. And she was awesome just describing how she got her roles on, yeah, House of Cards and The Village and all this other stuff. And what's so funny is my dad's just hearing us do all these intense shows. He's not much of a TV guy anymore. He's just burnt out. He just hasn't seen a good movie in a while and just does sports now. And he's like, oh where have I heard that voice before? I'm like, oh, you remember Karen, the homeland gal who uh, becomes, you know, Bill's ex. On He's like, oh, okay, I think I, I put two and two together. <laughs> we did play a Jack Bauer time with him, so he's like, yeah, that's when, yeah, he had an urge to watch every single episode and binge it. But yeah, she was awesome because she both respects and fears, you know, and so there's there's a reason for why she's just so stuck up all the time and just so even just say a sneaky thing and it just has no effect on Emily because Emily is just you know Antiloni's main character is just too patient and understanding a person she has all that CIA training and just again she's just a gentle I person I like how she just sits there and looks at her and squints at her like really that's what you're gonna go with yeah and like she, I just I love that she's like you know you're not gonna intimidate me right like <laughs> Well, and this is kind of as HBO as it got. Is like it, anyone else would have just kind of face palmed or anything. But yeah, when someone leaves the room, she just kind of just goes, "Huh, funny," <laughs> some shit like that. And this is like, well, didn't see that coming. Or man, you know, just just thinking to herself, and we, the viewer, know she's thinking, "Man, that congressman, I got to do a," you know, like especially in the later seasons where she's got to put up with someone who is obviously just you know a Mitch McConnell type. It just is like. Oh, oh I, have to, I, yeah. I have to. I have to. I have to shake this fat ass's hand and pretend that I agree with him for twenty minutes. And that I like him, even though I don't. And right. that's, that's a little bit of comedy, right? So you have people in here who are comedians, like BB Newworth, right? And then you have Steve uh, Newworth was excellent. Oh my god, Jeffrey uh, Aaron, who played Matt Mahoney, had also done like Five Hundred Days of Summer. Um, he also had done. Oh, which one was uh, he? Super Troopers. He was hey, the speechwriter. He was the speechwriter? Oh, yeah. yes, 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 yes. Oh, yeah, he's married to Christine Hendricks. He who's, was who's fucking like a hysterical. bombshell. She's like the 20, and he's like yeah. a 5. He was hysterical, and it's so funny because I was seeing a bunch. Yeah, okay, so anyone asking who is he playing Super Troopers, he's one of the kids who gets high at the start and gets pranked. Right, <laughs> a whole entire bag of mushrooms, <laughs> and they're like, meow, son. You know, so that's the whole part. Um, but he, he was a boy. He was in 500 oh Days of God. Summer. So he had a lot of comedy, and same thing with B.B. Newworth. So to get into a show like this that's actually kind of serious, uh, oh, yeah. Christina Miller. 
Petita Miller had only done, you know, serious stuff. So for her to come in to have that kind of comedy as well, um, was she'd always really wanted to do it. Yeah. And yeah, Eric Stoltz, Absolutely. who plays Emily's like uh, Peace Corps traveling, you know, estranged and yet still somewhat close uh, brother who reunites here. Uh, as, as it goes on, Eric Stoltz, you know, much like guest director, actor turned director uh, Tate Donovan, uh, mm-hmm. helmed a bunch of episodes and eventually becoming a producer, helping them find their style. But yeah. Yeah, it, but it, check that, this out though with Patina though. She had only done a lot of like musicals. She actually won a Best Actress in a Musical. So to come yeah. from that to Hunger Games to uh, Secretary, uh, Madam Secretary, it's kind of like they had a little bit of everything in there. And see. I really appreciated um, the way that they had a lot of uh, it must have been, people in there too. Was it filmed in New York? Because virtually everybody from Broadway. I think so. Who's been on Person of Interest, Law and & Order, and sopranos and uh even something like uh power uh, has been on this show (laughs) and so yeah i mean patina i think yeah it is like she was making the rounds on daytime tv doing interviews for tony stuff and hunger games and it does make you wonder who did she catch the eye of that just made them say is like give this go from musical to playing someone with outdoor to figure in Hunger Games to Madame Secretary. It's like, whoa. Yeah. I, I knew she was briefly on like a few other things, but yeah, like you say, most of her stuff, you can't find much of it except, you know, it was just Broadway stuff. Uh, Eric Virgin, who was in both the play and the movie version of Jersey Boys, is a really good singer. I've listened to some of his songs. He's like, man, he knows how to lounge sing. And uh, what do you think of his part here as Blake? I love him. And I think I really appreciated that in Madame Secretary, he wasn't pushing himself. He no. was happy just being his her assistant. Basically, whatever she wanted, he was there for it. But she knew he was above his pay grade and that he had basically surpassed that. And I don't want to ruin it for people, but I, <laughs> I feel like if you haven't seen it, that's on you. But I feel like this character, Blake, though, like towards the end of the, the season... Uh, the last couple of seasons, she's like, look, this is what's going to go down. I'm not firing you, but you have two weeks, I think it was, to figure out what you want to do. And if you don't, oh no, she, he gave, she gave him a year. If you don't yeah. figure out what you want to do for the, at the end of the year, you have, you have two options. You can move on and find your place or you no longer have a job. So yeah. it's kind of like, I'm not firing you. But you need to, she was pushing him to do more because she knew he could do more because he has proven himself time and time again to do more than a, above his, his pay grade. But he still kept staying as this assistant. Not that there's anything wrong with being an assistant. I mean, I'm an assistant too, right? We all are. But yeah. I kind of felt like with him, he was very doting. You know, he knew what she wanted, but he wasn't growing as a person and she, she knew that and she wasn't about to hold him back just because he was perfect at what he was doing. She wanted to push him out of his comfort zone. And that's a good boss. That's an amazing boss who sees yeah, their employer, their employee and seeing that, no, they could do more, but they don't want to leave me in a lurch. Well, it's okay. I can figure it out. Oh, totally. Going back briefly to Daisy, I did forget Patina, yeah. act, portrayer Patina Miller was on Mercy Street, which was PBS's first original show. And that's an excellent show. But 
I forgot. I she love was on Mercy there. Street. That is so good. Absolutely. Good uh, catch. But, uh, like you say, yeah, I mean, they should have totally focused more on Daisy and more on Blake instead of all the kids. The kids could have waited till the finale. They, they, they didn't I need- agree. I mean, I'm not saying don't put them in the show at all because you need to kind of show, like, kind of like it does like in a Survivor. They're there. Now they're not. They're doing their own thing. They're there. Yeah. Now they're not. The kids but it was are there as long as they need to be. Of- and I think Right, Kiefer- but it's like all these story arcs kind of started focusing on, on their kids versus what was actually going on behind the doors of being a madam secretary because that's what the whole show was supposed to be about yeah and, i don't know me, if and some it started branching or... off to her kids and it's like it's not that you shouldn't talk about them i think that's that's super important they just can't but carry a whole episode over the show <laughs> yeah. and they did they took over the show the last i think the last two or three seasons it was all about them and i feel like with daisy and and mark and and um, they faded and, it totally faded and even with like, russell i mean that was super important or what was you know he gets a heart attack and then they could have mm-hmm. just followed up with it and it really only gets interesting when it takes you know that you know ex-president dalton just telling him come on man give it your best shot you served me your job is not over until she gets her second term you know <laughs> or her first well term even with dalton what happened to him and making that decision for him to step down that was really hard and that, and was, that was more interesting really, like because don't yeah. get me wrong the show always starts off well like every other cbs show but cbs i think they were worse than abc they clearly did not want it on there and yet it was getting good ratings because they were replaying it on reruns on sundays on their channel as well as upn former upn affiliates and like you say is like that they, they would often st- you know, start off just like any of their other, you know, SIL team or SWAT shows, start off with a terrorist attack in another country. <laughs> and then, you know, then you open up with the kids and then you get to all the Dalton and interesting meat and potatoes that you came to see with, you know, the staff choosing their next strategy. And then you go back to the kids and it's, you let it go because, you know, Tim Daly is really hysterical. and <laughs> Tia Leone is naturally comedic and knows how to mix in drama with the comedy. So it's really like, love tia's and tim's interaction i oh, even totally. like dalton's interaction with her yeah because he's I a dick like but he's a well-meaning interaction. dick yeah. yeah and he's really like look come on you can't be doing this shit even when he's like advising her and then when she's advising him like come on sir you can't be doing that shit because they know each other for such a long time they know there's no sugar cutting it's only gonna be facts even if you don't like it i mean she's still they're still gonna be tactful about it but there is no, there's no PC. There's no, you know what I mean? Like, it's all, look, this is what's going to go down if you do this. So how can we fix this? How, what is the solution? I don't like those solutions. So this come show, up with more options, you know? I, I guarantee you, this show is going to probably start getting syndicated on Start TV, which shows a lot of female, you know, kind of aim programming, like Crossing Jordan and, you know, The Closer and mm-hmm. uh, Rosalia Niles. Because <laughs> I guess you could say, one, one critic did say this best. I forget who it was, but they're like, this is basically, and in fact, that's kind of what the show Tommy with Eddie Falco, which I thought was a cool police drama, which lasted only one season a year after this was, was like CBS just needed that kind of show that was their judging Amy or good wife equivalent. And this was this. God, I miss judging Amy. That was so good. Uh, it was. And uh, I think everyone should watch it. It used to play on TNT nonstop. But uh, long story short, yeah, it's like, covered most layers but 
most of its guest stars were kind of semi-known actors that I kind of knew from just watching every other blockbuster, like one of the Russian guys I'd seen in one of the Die Hard movies, and I had a bunch of other guys who was obviously meant to be a Putin, you know, equivalent. I've seen him be on every other TNT show, just being a villain of the week. And so it's like, not uh, as great as they got was that one ambassador. I forget what part of South America, but he was played by Carlos Bernard, you know, Tony Almeida from 24. And he was awesome because <laughs> he, he just lit up the scene. And uh, that actor has actually started directing a lot of CBS shows. I'm surprised they didn't have him direct a few episodes here, but at least come in. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, like I say, designated and West Wing just really knew how to get some really good guest stars where it counted and give them some juicy role and like you say when it got the story with the kids I mean I wanted to know what happened to Daisy's one night stand where it ended where her partner just got a heart attack or something and died and it was like and then they just kind of just didn't want to talk about it I'm like well you built it up a lot and now you just abandoned it, and now we got to know about stupid Stevie or the stupid son. <laughs> well, no, they, they did cover it because if I remember they did, but then um, they kind of stopped talking about it. Yeah. I mean, they they still well, I mean, followed over up. Time. I mean, they they can't. I mean, it was over time. It wasn't like all at once because they, yeah, they kind of had to cover it from time to time and how she was being a single mom, and then she goes and visits uh, the the father's mother uh the, basically the baby's grandma Hard to do from stuff. his side yeah. of the family uh but it was interesting how her and uh the speechwriter what's his name again um oh yeah they had an interesting dilemma um they had an interesting uh relationship and i think that because of their history and how he felt about her they were like well you know i i can just be, at least be here for you as a friend you know, and so I did appreciate that everyone was trying to help her, even with Blake, you know, with the baby and, and, and things like that. Like, they all had their own lives, but they were also counting on each other, even at work, to make it, because, you know, if someone suffers at home, they can't, they can't be good at their job. Right. Now, let's talk about <laughs> the biggest asshole of this entire show, Ming Chin. Francis Jew's character, the Chinese counterpart <laughs> ambassador. I love him. Oh, oh my god! But he gosh. says such stuck-up, sexist things to her. To tell <laughs> I agree, and she does do something to the other guy, right? But I think <laughs> honestly, like, okay, let, hold on, let me just go backtrack real quick. So, like Sebastian um, Arcelus, who plays Jay Whitman, who was uh, her chief of staff and policy That's advisor. The one. You know how he, he, That's he the leaves yes. and stuff like that. Yeah, okay. He had the so right kind of married, geeky approach. Kids. Yeah. He got divorced, then they had to go do something else, and then he ends up coming back and forth, uh, uh, back and forth uh, within the show, um, which I thought was kind of cool to give way to other people because I believe he was in another. Yes, he was in a. I believe he was in House of Cards. I could be wrong on that one. Um, Maybe. But I could be wrong. I, I, I could be wrong. I know. I, he, yes, he, he was see, in House he, of Cards. Oh, okay. Suck it. So, <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, now, now I know who you're talking about. right, damn it. Yeah, Jay, 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 Jay was cool, especially when that that storyline kind of came out of. They hinted at it, and you didn't know where it was going to come out of. But yeah, like you say, he had a he had on he had been on the you know ongoing Broadway show Wicked, and so again, all these guys are Broadway, and so they're ready to be an ensemble. But yeah, he was very interested in how he's like, I gotta just. 
I got to choose either my messy life or my political life. No, I got to step down now and deal with this so I can get, you know, custody of my kids. And, all that and that's shit. a really good segue for him to continue doing what he was doing on the other show and the other, you know, things that he was doing. Yeah. Um, so anyways, I just wanted to cover that real quick because I really did like him in both um, House of Cards and in Madame Secretary. Um, and it's kind of cool that he did have a background um, in musicals and things like that, just like um, the other people that we've, we've mentioned, like Blake and Daisy, you know, in, rea in reality, that's that was their their lives is doing that. Mm -hmm. So that, that was really neat. Uh, but what were we talking about? <laughs> Oh, wait, I mean, uh, tell me about how stuck up the Ch Chinese council is. <laughs> yes, okay, so, like, uh, for, for that, like, I loved his acting, and I think that... Oh, no, great reality, actor, I'm just saying, this is, man. Yeah, no, no, he was a total dick, but I think <laughs> that, I feel that the way he was behaving and the way he was talking to her and the way that that's more realistic than being super cordial, because if you look at, like, Designated Survivor, you had a lot of people who were, like, very dishonest about their intentions while in madame secretary is like oh you know who likes you and you know who doesn't like you and you know who's out to get you and who you have to win over and oh, he totally. knew that they needed him so he was going to do whatever he could to get as much as he could out of her and she knew what he was what they were willing to give and what they weren't willing to give and it was a lot of like they spoke a lot in between the lines and i really appreciated the writing for that because if you look at politics, everything is read between the lines. And right. that was that was really neat, the the going back and forth. Now, when she went to go meet uh who was he? Was he Philippine? Was he Korean? Was he I forget uh, who he was, but there she was a bunch of countries they face. dealt with, especially during yeah, the she, tsunami. She punches yeah, she punches him in the face because he, oh, that's her, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He grabbed uh, her ass, I think it was, or he said something to yeah, her. Yeah, it's a private conversation. He's like, this never happened, by the way. Otherwise. Yeah, because she he always played like this boxer, Jeez. I'm yeah. a badass type of guy. Yeah. And then like he does something to her and she just straight up punches his I mean, she kicks his ass. And then uh they're like, This never happened. And the next day he's like Oh yeah, well I was in a boxy mask. That's how I got the split nose. Yeah, he, he fears he her because <laughs> she knew she was already doing yeah business with a total pig, and she's like, hey, yeah, anything for a U.S. ally. But yeah, yeah. at the same time, it's like, oh, the minute you put your hand on me, oh man, I'll fucking destroy you. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, one thing is being sexist, one thing is being a dick, but one thing is like laying hands on something, and she reacted. I mean, she was a CIA analyst. She has training. Yeah, she so we could buy it. kill you if she wanted to. I mean, that was a whole plot on, you know, Madame Secretary that she was an assassin who could kill you in your sleep. You know, that was like the whole thing. And she's like, whenever did that, so to speak, you know, <laughs> like. And we could, um, I, I, you totally buy it because, yeah, like you say, the background and everything, you just, and it's a private conversation. There's no telling what goes behind a closed door. And, Absolutely. So I, I, I that, buy the I fact buy that she would have done that. Yeah. Compared to the, I mean, it technically can work, but they kind of force it on you when she has her husband, you know, serve with the defense of intelligence affairs or whatever, the DIA gal yeah. played by Jill Hennessy yeah. from Crossing Jordan and Law and Order. That was mm -hmm. cool, but that also felt like that was a different show. Well, on Designated, okay. when you get Maggie Q's FBI gal, you know, 
You believe her, you believe what she could do, absolutely. Yeah, and she's working with, and it's a special task force prepped by the Joint Chiefs where they're getting a bunch of different, you know, contractors mixed in with, you know, other special forces people trying to, you know, stop World War III. It's like, okay, cool, I'll I'll bite, bite it there because they want everyone who knows a bit about everything, you know, so it's like, and... Yeah, but how do you get a guy who used to be a Marine pilot who teaches at a war college to lead up a secret seems service like they would like, want to lay high, low like, and not and, and and not yeah attract that much attention you know from the media that would be like and, and if he died it would be such a huge risk you know a secret service would totally be against that <laughs> yeah and it's like they completely disregarded that they're like oh we need more action so let's 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 give him something Anything to do that's not war college the women yeah. to see this guy in action now, uh, what do you think about uh, Ellen Hill, the retired admiral turned NSA gal, uh, Johanna Day? Ah, Blonde, female. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, she's been in a bunch of movies, Unbreakable, True Story, and The Post. So it's like, um, she was awesome, especially because she was just like, she was always kind of telling Elizabeth, yeah, you got to get your feet dirty. <laughs> These men don't no, respect absolutely. you just because you're I in mean- uniform. Yeah, it doesn't mean anything. I mean, you you have to you have to get dirty. You're absolutely right, and I I felt like their interactions was not only was she the first female chairwoman to join chiefs of staff, right? Yeah, and then she becomes national security advisor. They so both she was known each other somewhat because she had been yeah communicating along with the her way. Absolutely, yeah. and the the cool thing about her though is that. The actress, first of all, she she has has a lot of awards in her background. Um, let me see. I'm looking at here. She was also in a Rainmaker. Ah. Yep. Uh, just like Jane was. Um, she mm-hmm. was in Chasing Amy. The Judging movie Amy. Sweat. <laughs> yeah, she was. Oh goodness, what is this here? Oh, she was also in theater. How about yep. that? Everybody has so, a theater background on here. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, so for, for me, it's like, you know, she's done so many really good things um, that I was actually surprised to see how many of them like cross each other's paths. So when I see her, I mean, she was also in elementary, by the way, um, yes. Yes, and judging Amy. Uh, so it's really neat to see her um, come into the show and being an admiral, you know, being national security advisor, chairwoman, joint chiefs of staff, like you buy that, you buy that she has that authority and that she could do that job. Totally. And unfortunately, there are some great, the main ones who are featured here are really good. And unfortunately, after a while, I kind of forget about all the other ones. I just remember the other bald guy, Mike uh, Nifsky, mm-hmm. who, who just, again, just doesn't respect any woman. And that was an interesting predicament. But yeah, after a while, I kind of forget about all the other ones. And I only remember the diplomats, which sucks because Designated has some cool ones. Yeah. including one that basically tries to form a coup kind of freaking now especially oh, considering that the news. was really good yeah. and then they kind of fade in the background but they're kind of stand out somehow a little more because they're still telling the president you might not want to do that and here is like they're cool but they also i don't know i feel like it's kind of a lesser law and order effect where after a while you forget everyone's name and you only remember the face and it's like ah, i would have liked a little more characterization because she's really awesome with how she tells the, everyone to just go hurt themselves or you know, just... 
No, absolutely. And the thing is, you kind of need that, right? And then let's just talk about Jose Antonio Plana or Tony Plana, who is a Cuban-American actor. Yeah, Tony Plana, uh, great actor, yeah. Yeah, he was amazing in, in, in the show. And whether or not you saw him a lot, I know he was recurring, but he was a choice chief of staff. Yeah. And you bought his acting and you bought the character. You know, what he brought with it was his experience and acting. He added a lot and, of small touches, too, where it didn't yes. feel like he was just looking at a teleprompter or a, you know, a blue no, screen in front of him. He actually, like, he, you bought the, the act. You bought the part because it, it, a lot of it was nuanced and not, mm, like, nuance is I'm just reading from it. a teleprompter. Yeah. Now, tell me about Jose Zuniga. <laughs> Let's see. Jose Zuniga. You is he the him. one that plays? He's the one uh, a Latino the congressman. One he yeah. wants everything to just bring her down. And he does it in a way. I mean, again, he's been on all but, the other crime shows. But but the cool thing that made me super happy. Unusual uh, ally, yeah. When she asked him to be his VP. It, yeah, and I called And it, honestly, I don't blame her for doing that. Not because he had to. It had nothing to do with that. She, he not only fought her tooth and nail for every single day that she was Madame Secretary, but he was the only one willing to speak up. He was the only one to tell it to her straight. He was the only one to keep her in line. He was the, I felt like without him. He was the main probably, barrier at the same time. Yeah, he kind of took it as absolutely. a friendly thing. And whenever he got owned by her, he, it wasn't about having the final word. It was about, oh man, now I got to do something even more damaging. And so, yeah, it was like, okay, let's just put this uh, to rest. Cause it's like, we got to get some shit done. And obviously that wouldn't happen in real life, but I do like how she kind of says, she gives like five different options in front of him and he likes all of them he's just like okay so we are speaking the same language we don't have to keep you know i don't i don't i'm not but intimidated she by where he was coming from too like she knew well, why exactly he had to, that's the yeah only, she but that's the thing is she knew where she stood with him and he knew where she stood yeah. with you know they they understood where each of them stood with each other and honestly if that's not the right president vp i don't know what is because i don't know with this is going to survivor did you buy the VP? Uh, I kind of did because they really played up the Latino vote quite a lot there and showed how. But that he, was, that's, that's what was fucked up about it. Right. It had nothing and that's to why, do with what he could do. That, it was they needed the Latino vote. That's what made it more realistic for me. And this one, I felt, I, again, I, 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 I bought how she got things done. I just did, again, like you, like you said before, I didn't buy how they kind of talked how they ran and you're like, mm, not sure how they secured those votes. And really, you know, the, the lack of yeah, detail I mean, there I, compromised it. There, but, but I do appreciate that even though they're like, whoa, why would she pick him? It had nothing to do with Latino vote though. I mean, totally. that's not going to hurt, but it was more about, Hey, if we can show that we can work together, what can't we get done? Oh, totally. And after and seeing all these... And that, to me, was super realistic, too, because I feel like with Designated like Survivor, I could never see that pairing, because it was bullshit. Now, that's realistic, too. A lot of people, like, they, they get him for not because of the kind of work they can do, but mostly because they want to get the Latino voting. But you yeah. have to have a VP who also knows what they're doing. While I felt like... I think he, he had the experience. really know what he was... He had the experience, but I didn't buy it as much as I did with Morejon. And Madame President. All right. Fair enough. I mean, he definitely had more years on him than, you know, 
uh, Shore on Designated. So yeah, I mean, uh, I kind of liked all the, what Madam really got right though was with how they kind of dispatched some of the opponents. Is like, okay, I can see that happening. I liked her interactions with the Ambassador to Yemen, played by Tim Guinea of Revolution, uh, as well as the Deputy Secretary of State, played by William Allen Young from Babylon 5 and Code Black. Um, those are minor parts, but yeah, having her finally just make peace with uh, Morehan and then uh, even the director of the CIA, played by Michael Gaston from Homeland, who always plays an asshole. Um, that was interesting, but I, I like J.C. McKenzie. You might know him as playing that white supremacist on SVU and uh, Aaron Sorkin. He was also a comedian. He was also a comedian. Was he? I didn't know that. I, I know he was yeah. on Dark Angel. He was on Dark Angel. Yep. Departed. He was Departed, The Irishman, Wolf of Wall Street, Aviator. But uh, Charles of Chicago Michael, 7. Yeah, that's right. Uh, here, it was really interesting. I liked his portrayal as Sam, the Pennsylvania governor. Uh, oh, and that's right. Michael Gaston is the CIA director on here, and he's also like, uh, disrespectful. I think he's also a Pennsylvania governor who basically tries to stage a coup against the new president-elect on Designated, but he was an interesting character here, McKenzie's character on Madam, because basically, uh, yeah, Russell just basically blackmails him. He's like, yeah, you got a gene that would mean you're going to have Alzheimer's like a year into your presidency, and is like, you don't, uh, he's already been told by, you know, uh, McCord, you know, you know Emily, don't don't do that don't play dirty we want a clean clean campaign and he does it anyway <laughs> it's like this is the only what you're gonna thank me later because this is the only way i'm gonna be able to get this asshole out of your hairs <laughs> uh, absolutely uh, this makes you want to be a uh, politician <laughs> just play dirty right? with all these guys and then put on the pretty faces like politics <laughs> not gonna find any embarrassing foes of me but i will tape every conversation in black <laughs> Well, that's the thing, right? So, like, Jason McKenzie plays Sam Evans, you know, he's basically doing the whole blackmail thing, right? But yeah. uh, what you don't know Being is that he petty. was also... Yeah, he was also in uh, House of Cards, and he also was in The Away. So, it's it's interesting Here's to his see connection. a lot of these actors. There's this connection, right? <laughs> but and here's so a bigger connection. It, he, he's also in that guy who was in that thing. <laughs> so, you know, so, yeah, because he's always that guy in that thing. Mm. Dark Angel. I mean, you name it. You've seen him everywhere. And I, I, I do. I want to apologize. I did say he was comedian. No, he had done some, uh, com like a, a comedy, comedy shows. One, yeah, one thing here, but he was never like comedian. Uh, he gets he to play this guy up as a real character without making him seem self unintentional parody. It did get here. No, and I I buy that he would do that. I buy what he was saying in Men on Secretary. I buy that he would do that. So the acting is is absolutely amazing when it comes to what was going on, go was going down, and 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 that time for this character to come in, just kind of like Michael J. Fox coming in and does it in a Survivor. It's that that makes sense that he was playing that, that character for that part, for what was happening. Oh, yeah. And especially after even seeing him, how he had kind of already experienced with Sorkin, having worked on his brief cameo in The American President, and it's like, yeah, that does a cool return to form. So I got to ask you the ultimate question. What, sh what? what Which of these shows does the better walk and talk formula? Which one does oh, that usage You better? know what? Walk and talk besides West Wing, I'm going to have to say Madame Secretary only See? because no, they have I... those 
They have the West Wings pans of the walk and talk. The pans are well, definitely better done. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like this like the survivor is always one place. Uh, he's not doing a lot of walk and talk. Yeah, they do. Um, they much. do. They don't half-ass it, but they do only half a scene or. Right. Or sometimes they they just knew they couldn't do it. They do a do lot it. of close-ups. They do it made a lot of sit-downs. They do it's... a lot of stand-ups. They don't do a lot of walk and talk. Mama and Secretary feels more like the West Wing talk, walk and talk. Yeah, because, uh, yeah, Madam was definitely had a lot of the same kind of just get you in the shot, especially when they, they introduce some other shocking thing and, like, a congressperson comes up, I must talk to you. <laughs> and it's like that cut to the credits. And, yeah, uh, designated, I don't know if they just couldn't, just kept goofing up or uh, just felt like that would be too much info to unload and they would just be distracting while they're wa- talking <laughs> and walking. Um, yeah, I felt like they didn't have the pans like they did. As much, yeah. As <laughs> they wanted much, to, yeah. They wanted so to I save it for like the action scenes. If we're doing walking and talking, <laughs> I'm, the only time they did that was when he went to go see the aftermath in the first few episodes. Of the first yeah. Season. After that, it became more deadpan, um, still sitting, standing, the war room. Uh, there wasn't I know a lot of Frederick, talking. I know Frederick Toy worked on both that and Westworld, and I kind of got a sense that when he's uh, working on both Westworld, those. Westworld, very uh, nice. Yeah. Same kind of thing. He's like, I got to save the camera panning for the shocking moments for when it really needs yeah. it, and the rest can be kind of voyeuristic shots, where it's like we're getting a private conversation that no one else should be listening in on. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Great. I, and then with like Madame Secretary, you have that whole pan everything is very racing everything is happening everything is going there's a lot of walk and talk because yeah it's like disney's got some better courtroom scenes but yeah uh and madam is like it was more interesting just kind of talking about that and uh, just kind of let again not know what the madam secretary turned president is going to say and just save the best for last and uh I will say this. I did not expect Wentworth Miller, that's right, Schofield from Prison Break. He was break, amazing. And be... also, um, a doc, uh, Mr. Uh, was it Mr. Cold? Captain Cold? PW? Yeah, yeah. He was on Legends of Tomorrow, and I- I've never seen him in a serious role like this, because he kind of took some time off to be a screenwriter, the actor, and here, just being a Sinner Hansen, just doing basically just another, just, you know, we're seeing this today still, just people on Capitol Hill who can't get anything done, and here he is just doing, oh, the poll was a fraud. You, I accuse you, your campaign is all bogus. Jacques! 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 Yeah. <laughs> snow, snow. Exactly. Oh, God. <laughs> but it was cool, him coming in and playing that that, that douchey role, but the same yeah, time. Yeah, and get a taste of his own medicine. Yeah, medicine. Like, yeah but I do it for really show. Cool. And, yeah. and and then just kind of just play it up like like anyone would like uh, the young Turks say this best is like we're tired of all this kabuki theater that these politicians like to do. It's like that's kabuki just it. Theater. He that's wants exactly to play to the camera, and they yeah. do a good job of showing Russell from afar, and he says something, yeah. and you don't know what they said. It's like, but Russell totally gave him an ultimate. Was like, I need you to back the fuck off. <laughs> oh yeah, when he was like talking into his ear. Oh, that was so good. Uh, yeah, and he's Russell like, was so fucking scary, bro. Like he yeah. was so scary. He's this short like he man. He shanked you in his sleep, like I just felt like. Uh, yeah, verbally shanked you. It was like he. Yeah. He got away with sharp tongue. <laughs> Absolutely, but you know who he reminded me of, and not him specifically, but like 
that, oh, that person. Of, I don't know. That that person. Um, you know the guy who played uh, Doug um, Hepper in House of Cards? Uh, Doug, Doug and House he of Cards. He played basically uh, House of Cards. They played like he did everything for him, like all his dirty work. Oh, oh Corey Stahl, are you thinking of? Douglas, uh, I don't remember the, the actor's name, of course, but he played Douglas Hamper, and uh, he was fantastic, and I felt like he was almost that scary. I think like, that's who it is. Let me look it up. Yeah, go for it. But I feel like he was just a scary, like, I don't think he would, like, commit murder for, for anybody, but I feel like he was that loyal and getting shit done, and he actually did care, and he actually did right. want things to yeah oh different one. Oh yeah that's right okay michael kelly love that dude i actually worked with him on a little scene miniseries when i was an extra <laughs> very cool it was a long road home we filmed it in outside of austin texas he was very cool just hanging with out with everybody the makeup artists and everything just casual conversation yeah he's been in everything including the criminal mind spinoff and jack ryan and yeah he's really good at just I mean, ever since the Dawn of the Dead remake, anytime I see him in a movie, he is really good at just, I mean, I'm actually really surprised he wasn't on one of these shows. He probably wanted a step away from those kinds of roles. He was really good at just, I mean, he and all these actors are really good at, it's like, they're definitely cast because you know they can hide something and complement the suspense of the whole shows because you need that. You need someone who's got a good day, bad day, can express, you know, character errors and judgment calls and then do the whole are they an ally or are they gonna you know stab you in the back for their own political gain <laughs> and this is yeah house of cards definitely kind of showed that the network tvs wanted some of that netflix money to have you know some kind of cool thing and they did good by having paul redford contribute a lot of the same ideas and speeches that he did on west wing but yeah all the other writers did a pretty good job too but yeah like you say designated you really can't tell who wrote what it's just a bunch of minds so flawless organizing so flawless. and then yeah madam is like okay this is the person writing the comedy episode this is the person writing the foreign affairs episode this is the one writing the world war three preventing episode and yeah so it's like yeah um they're they're all trying to make either way i think we all recommend both shows highly because i mean madam i i, I was late to the game on and i just binged on netflix and designated i i was i was there from the beginning i was there like when i saw netflix pick it up i was like i was was like thank you because season two was so underrated it just raised the bar it just stopped and i'm like no it's so yeah you you end and someone gets shot by a sniper rifle and you're like just like season one and but they did in a different scenario and then yeah agreed person is good and so get this everyone's complaining a lot of the loose ends weren't tied up on season three i felt like they did their best you kind of know who's going to jail for doing some illegal stuff for kirkman's uh campaign and then you know some other stuff uh obviously some of our heroes don't make it because who help out in the fbi and cia but i that kind of made me want to finish it even faster because i was cool with that because it's like okay now i know now it's not only you got two storylines going will the re-election campaign be successful and will they avenge the fallen agent you know <laughs> well you know the same with madame secretary it was only 
uh, proper that it went that way that she became Madame President. Um, I do. Even I do. through the even through the campaign and and everything like that, I think it was only fair because um there was that was the only way was out. That was the only way uh, out. Either you she, need some bloodshed. Yeah. Yeah. Either you're gonna go out or you're gonna go out the way you want to. Go along. Dalton's go like, along. <laughs> <laughs> go along. And then with Dalton's like, hey, you should definitely do this. And she's all, he's like, you know, you want to. I don't know why. They hinted at it you know? two seasons yeah. in a row. They and did. were like, it's they inevitable. Did. She, there's nowhere else for her to go. Otherwise, her career just ends and she just runs for like a local mayor or senator position. And that was a natural evolution. That would be a step down. I know yeah. designated survivor. You know, I'm, you know, we're not going to ruin it, uh, but it's on Netflix, so go watch it. Yeah, both the um, shows are not on Netflix still. I think yeah. I saw briefly that Madden was on Paramount Plus, and I was surprised. I was like, why, nice. the fuck, why the fuck was this not on CBS when it first launched and the show was still on? I agree. I they, agree. They fucked the show. It was always on, and yet it's like they just wanted syndication money. They only wanted to do stuff that, you know, all, you know dealt with all their – action crime and sitcom shows i'm like yeah but this is something okay so designated is a really intense show it's definitely not as lowbrow as 24 eventually gets um it's a little intense and mature so definitely don't show to people under 15 or 16 madam you could show to everyone but as a casual family show but unfortunately you know no one's today's environment kids aren't gonna get into it and then they're gonna want to just they're not gonna get any of this information like just like west wing um madame secretary uh business survivor commander-in-chief they're not gonna get any of it it's oh especially brain dead it's gonna go way over their heads designated might appeal to the 24 crowd though i think i i had a jack bauer I get well, that, there's but that. honestly, it's so but, but also political. Ne- but also Nikita. Yeah, that's true. Uh, I had I a mean, lot of people it's, who... It's not that you can't follow the people. I mean, I'm, I'm all for it, but I, I just don't, I don't think know. that, I like, think... if, I'm, if my teenagers would sit down and watch it, they probably would fall asleep. Oh, totally. Uh, especially for West Wing and Madam, just kids don't have that mentality unless they are interested in just seeing a cool drama. If they're older, yeah. I think they'll like West Wing... Uh, I, I think though, since Designated had kind of some of the same style as Criminal Minds, it might have pill even for those who hate politics. Because I did see some people who were like, "I can't stand politics, but I like how this guy's an independent president and all that shit." So I don't know. I've, I think it made enough people happy, and because they took advantage of the Netflix rating, they were able to be more blunt and get away with more stuff. So that was cool. Um, God, especially when we're seeing some of those other guys who are playing dirty ball. <laughs> oh ask, and you're like this is more realistic than i would want it to be <laughs> totally uh shit what was i gonna look up um da, da, da. i totally forgot what i was gonna do um uh so yeah they're both on netflix they've both been around for a while um well hell if you even just go on google you'll see just high ratings user scores as well doesn't it even got remade in like south korea and that's really on netflix as well called 60 days so yeah i haven't seen that yet i i'm sure i will i just got you know 500 other things to finish <laughs> no not us we don't have a thousand shows we're watching and binging on what are you bullshit talking about? everybody does <laughs> <laughs> 
yeah, but our superhero shows. Are cool, shows. Well, mine are too. <laughs> uh, with... I wouldn't go that far. Calm down. <laughs> What's wrong with Bosch? <laughs> Mr. Gray's Anatomy. I'm not a fan of that. I was joking. <laughs> I'm saying <laughs> someone clearly watches this because it's been on 18 plus years and I don't know who. How? I don't the know. Show. I'm sorry for those who like it, but seriously, no. how? I don't do shit like that. I don't understand. I do St. Elsewhere in Chicago. Oh, I don't do shit like that where it's just like, who will fall in love with who? I'm like, yeah, no. No, thank you. <laughs> highly recommended. Both five Very stars highly shows. recommended. Go watch it. <laughs> thank you all for tuning in and thank you for being on this episode of Dynamite. <laughs> <laughs> always, always a pleasure. We'll return after these messages. Hey, feeling down? Feeling low? Not enough podcasts about movies in your life? Why not try... They must be destroyed on sight! The new Podcast Cure-All. Sure to get you right with the world and on a path to better living. We have exploitation, we have Italian horror, we have zombies, we have slashers, we have crime films, we have spaghetti westerns, we even have sci-fi and sex comedies. So take a dose of... They must be destroyed on sight! As needed, and let the hosts, Lee Russell, Daniel Harper, Paul Romali, and the odd guest host, Cure What Ails Ya. Warning, may cause atrophy, African consumption, black fever, bone shave, chin puff, colic, cramp colic, Dropsy of the brain, elephantitis, grocer's itch, jaundice, mania, miasma, mortification, palsy, pox disease, rheumatism, scurvy, St. Anthony's fire, summer complaint, and worm fit in some people. Consult a physician before listening. Hey, I heard you like movies. I heard you like to hustle. I heard you like podcasts. Well, guess what? There's a podcast for you out there called The Home Video Hustle. Damn right. Every Friday, we talk about whatever movie PJ picks out the bag. What does that mean? Every Wednesday on our YouTube page, I put a bunch of movies in a bag, and PJ picks one out at random. And then we just watch it. We talk about it for maybe like an hour, hour and a half, two hours. Whatever we feel like doing, wherever the conversation leads us. But do we actually talk about the movie? Most of the time. Ah. Tangents galore. Yes. So believe me, we may be a movie podcast, but it's not always about movies. We might talk about video games. Mm-hmm. Music. music. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. the big one, music. Uh, sometimes we might get a little bit of politicalness in there. Yes. Sometimes we may just, oh, we know what we like to do. We like to tell stories, PJ. Ah, yes. I am the master storyteller <laughs> yes. of the podcast realm. <laughs> Undefeated. So if you like to hear about movies, video games, whatever foolishness comes to our mind, the most random stuff you can think of, check out the Home Video Hustle. You can find us on the Stitchers, yes. the Google Play, yes. Apple Podcasts, what else? Podbean, what else? Podcast Addict, goddamn, all that. Ain't no reason you can't get your hustle on. We everywhere, worldwide, baby. Hustle, motherfucking hustle. Hey, we can't cuss in the promo, PJ. Ah, we gotta be family friendly. There may be podcasts out there that don't want his hair to say, ah, 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 all that good fun stuff. <laughs> well. <laughs> you. <laughs> don't, don't, don't run the listeners away, Pete. Ah, I'm sorry. But this is going kind of long. Yes. So we'll end this and say, hey, check out the Home Video Hustle every Friday on all the various podcast outlets. Peace. Peace. As far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. And while Witch didn't make it to the top of the world, he did make the Gangs of Hollywood podcast. 
So join the gang and enjoy a movie review podcast about movie gangs, gangsters, mobsters, and the mayhem they cause. You can find GOH Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at GOH Pod at www.gohpod.com as well as your favorite podcast listening app. And remember, say hello to your little friend for me. If you take two old punk rockers who are past their prime, put them in front of a movie screen and give them a podcast, what do you get? Cinema punks. Cinepunks. It's the mixtape of movies. Did you ever see a film at such a young age it left you traumatized with cinematic wounds? Oh, necrophilia. It's a dead issue, man. Don't don't push it. Cinema PsyOps is a weekly podcast documenting an ongoing experiment on the mind of an unwilling test subject. No one should have to watch this movie. Oh, no one should have to watch this. No one should have to watch this movie. Surprisingly, it's not a topic that a lot of people really want to tackle. I'm shocked, crude. I know, really. Right? It's the next sexual frontier that no one wants to explore. I am, in the most sincerest of senses, disappointed in you. It takes a powerful goddess like Connie, jam her arm down the monster's throat and kill it. Oh, I'm still tripping out over that. Even as a kid, I was like, I gotta find a girl like that. Every week, I, I get a new look of disappointment that I never thought I could get it's out of. Unimaginable. At 12 years old, you should not be watching this. Movie. Obviously. At 13, you should not be. 14, you should be. I'm not entirely sure even 17 year olds should be watching this. Just because you're offended by something doesn't mean that you have the right to demand that it doesn't exist. Watching this film again, I had all of this like little nerd glee with everything that kept little history doll yeah, popping up absolutely. at you. So I totally loved this film. Hey, I know why you you know, couldn't see that. It's because your brain's warped watching this shit at twelve years old. Yeah, this is this is a rough movie. I told you ahead of time when we were getting ready to do it that it was. How did you watch movie. this shit at twelve? Because physical wounds heal, cinematic ones don't. Listen to Cinema Psyops. Hey everybody, I'm Corey. And I'm Zach. And we're the hosts of Podcasting After Dark, a cast dedicated to late night horror and sci-fi of the 80s and 90s, often found on HBO and Cinemax. You know, the movies your parents didn't want you watching as a kid. You can find us every other week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, and Stitcher. This is what you want. This is what you get. It's time, let's check our cue, baby Pair it with a couple brews, baby We love good movies We love the bad ones, too So we watch them all and pass their lessons on to you Oh, yeah Everything I learned from movies Helps to make life a little bit groovy With a one-life plot holes and gratuitous boobies It's time to get busy With your friend Steven Izzy
at eilfm.podbean.com. Welcome to Who Was She podcast. I'm your host, Tara Jabari. After a decade working in documentaries, marketing, and all things digital media, I found that podcasting is a strong medium to share stories. After years of producing for others, I decided to start my own biographical podcast. Who Was She? will focus on the life of a woman throughout Baha'i history. The first season is about Lydia Zeminoff. Lydia's story explores the subjects of the power of language and faith. Her father invented the universal language Esperanto, and she came from a Jewish family and became a Baha'i. She grew up during World War I and was killed during World War II in a concentration camp, despite heroic efforts to save her life. How can one person's life intersect with so many others, connect across borders, and inspire a biography which inspired this podcast? Over the next few weeks, I will share her story with you and the lives that were most affected by her and those who affected her life as well. They include her father, Ludwig Semenov, her spiritual mother, American journalist Martha Root, and the Baha'i German soldier Fritz Mako, who worked for the resistance undercover while having to serve the Nazi party. I want to thank the author Wendy Heller and George Ronald Publishing for their blessing to let me use Heller's biography, Lydia, The Life of Lydia Zeminoff, Daughter of Esperanto, as a main and instrumental resource for this podcast. So please subscribe and learn about this amazing woman who traveled through three continents in an effort to bring unity through the power of language. You can also find more information on our Instagram, Facebook, and Pinterest at Who Was She Podcast. Music was composed and performed by Sam Red. I am your host, Tara Jabari. Join us next time as we begin our journey about Lydia Zeminoff. Hi, everybody. It's Mac Jackson. I wanted to invite you to a new site called the Forever Adventure Network. This website has everything. Pictures, videos, blogs. There's original music by Harmony Constant. Two podcasts. One is the MacGyver podcast, where we celebrate Richard Dean Anderson, his iconic roles, and how it's influenced our lives. There's episode discussions, interviews, and life conversations. The second podcast is the Never Gets Old podcast, where we celebrate all the best things that we love in life, from TV, movies, music, and comics. The site is also the home for the MacGyver SG-1 audio series, an ongoing adventure series that continues the adventures of MacGyver and SG-1. There are also multiple stores to choose from for all of your pop culture and adventure needs. Come on by and check us out today. And thanks for joining the adventure. Are you sick of the same old stale podcasts? Well, then join Vanessa and Darren as they dissect movies of all kinds. 
the two lifelong cinema lovers bring their favorites, curiosities, and first-time watches to the operating table and inject them with a healthy dose of snark. Then there's the waiting room, where they examine books and short stories. So just look for them on Apple Podcasts and where fine podcasts are available. They're part of the Legion Podcast Network. Follow them on Twitter at VD Clinic Pod. Join them on Facebook at facebook.com slash groups slash VD Clinic Pod. Or email them at vdclinicpod at gmail.com. They're ready to cure what ails you. <laughs> and still, they just might be a little contagious. Hi there. It's Heather from the Watching Netflix Without You podcast. Did you know that there are over 1,200 Netflix original feature films and documentaries? And that number is only growing. So I've made it my mission to watch as many as I possibly can. Then, with a delightful guest or guests, disclaimer, more often than not my brother Ryan, we spend an episode rating, reviewing, and discussing a film at length. The first half of every episode is spoiler-free for those who haven't seen it yet. And in the second half, after a very clear spoiler warning, we dive into it. And that's really about it. You can listen to Watching Netflix Without You on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and more. We now continue with our program. Follow us on the web on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. The podcast is available on Podbean, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Anchor, Apple, and anywhere else podcasts are available. Feel free to review our show and leave comments on any of those sites. Thanks a million for listening. It's a jacked up.